This is episode 74 of The Chick in Charge. Today on the show, Mary's special guest is Lane Price, a chick in charge who happens to own a business by the name of Chick You Do, a business that encourages children's independence and empowerment through big ideas and simple solutions. Price honed her business skills working at Turner Broadcasting and the Atlanta Jewish Federation and is putting her expertise to work, helping children reach their potential. Don't miss a great conversation about the future of our children with two chicks in charge. Welcome to the Chick in Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chick in charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hey everybody, this is Sarah Smith. I'm the co-host of the Chick in Charge podcast. I'm here with Mary Parker, who is the CEO of All-in-One Security, the founder of the Mary Parker Foundation. Please check that out online. And the author of the Chick in Charge autobiography, a book, a great book. Buy it. If you are a and female entrepreneur, you need to read this book. And you need to glean the important lessons that Ms. Parker puts forth. Amazing, amazing tips. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Sarah. It's so good to see you. It and seems you. that it's been forever. I know, I know. Only a couple weeks, though, but we like each other, so it, that's a good thing. I know, that's and it's so thing. great when women are working together. Right? Hello. And, Hello. you know, I'm so excited about our guest today. Oh. We have Lonnie Price with us. Yes. And Lonnie, I love the name of your co-founding business. You're the co-founder at Chick You Do. Yeah, I really, really want to hear about that. And uh, so with that, I'm just going to let you go ahead, get started. Tell us about you, starting with the meaning of chick you do. And we're going to follow up with that with some of your chick stories and just really delve into your life. Okay, absolutely. So (laughs) we, um, Sarah and I have talked before, and we were talking about um, my business partner and I actually had a relationship outside of work. Um, We would actually, we were friends and then we would uh, work together as consultants. And the two of us in our off time would talk about our children and how they were doing and what they were up to raising little chicklings, if you will, Um, and struggling through through the, the daily life of children in school and doing things and getting them to learn to fly from the nest on their own while they're still being protected. And so one of the things we were talking about... I love that analogy. Right? I do. I love it. That we were teaching them to fly because we actually want them to leave the nest. Exactly. Not yet, though. Not yet. They're still here. But in the right... (laughs) Exactly. In the right time and space because we also see a lot of failure to launch... Um, and certainly as we work with people of different generations, even just a generational gap in what a lot of kids are coming out from school with knowledge of or not knowledge of, right? They're very academically smart, but not, um, not so common th- sense. Yeah. Socially. Right. Teach your children well. Their father's hell 
did slowly go by and feed them on your dreams. The one they picked, the one you know by. Don't you ever ask them why, if they told you you would cry. So just look at them and sigh, and know they love you. We would all agree it's attributed to technology. Um, the use of fingers instead of speaking. Correct. And making so eye contact and doing things like that. And so what we actually did, we started, believe it or not, with technology and with an app that already existed for meal planning. That was the bane of my partner and, and my existence. Because it was making lunches. It was making lunches that I got were being it. half eaten. I forgot about that. But that, when I talked to you, I remembered how stressful it was every single freaking day. Every to day. Yeah. And so we were, right, that was, that was it. It was. And then they would complain if it wasn't interesting. Right. Or it's the same. Right. Mom, Ugh. you yep. packed me exactly the same I thing can't eat packed. another peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Mom. And so Chick You Do was born because we wanted the you do. We started with a chickadee, and then we moved into a, not just a chickadee, but we really wanted the you do to be the ownership on the child. Right. And so not only is that the name of the company, but our tagline is Hatching Independent Kids. Oh, love it. Hatching and Depending Kids. Hatching Independent. Independent Kids. Yep. And so our logo is an egg with a crack and some feet. And again, it's all of this play on teaching children right. independence. Very, very, very important. Yeah, because, you know, um, my granddaughter was home this weekend from college. It's very interesting. She made the exact same observation as my daughter when she went to college with roommates. She was the only one who knew how to sort her laundry. Oh, my God. Because that independence yep. that she learned, many of her other, uh, her dorm mates had stay-at-home moms, and they did everything for them. So I applaud you and your and and your partner for making this all a real thing for our children because we're we're missing that. And so some of the other things that you're doing, uh, you have a very 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 interesting background. And you know, you, I look at it from the parental perspective. You're dealing with your children. You're dealing with sports. You work with these major corporations. I'm sure you've got some great tips that we can share with our listening audience today. Well, I, I think the biggest, and this is my mantra that I live by, is, you know, we live in this world where we're told that we can have it all. Um, but there was a quote that I once saw, and I've really taken it to heart, which is having it all doesn't necessarily mean having, having all it all at the once. same time. Yep. yep. Yes. And, you know, for a long time, and I still struggle with it, right? I look at others, and you always think the grass is greener on the right. other side, yep. or why don't I have that? But I actually have everything I wanted at this stage. Yep. And keeping that perspective, and then having a goal to move toward for the next stage is really. And that is so important because, you know, I find so many business people, especially, and just in general, we just try and take on so many things at one time. But we have a program where we teach focus, analyze, commit, and strategize. 
And so once you tie in those components with what we're doing in our everyday life, don't you believe that we better understand that sometimes the delay is simply because we're not ready, we're not prepared for that next step? I think that's a huge part. I do think the technology adds into it. I think that we live in a world of instant gratification and that, you know, there's that there's a, a need in our world to uh, another phrase that's that's really used in my communities and in my circles is to disconnect, to reconnect so that you put down your device and learn how to reconnect and you teach it to your children and that and so again as a company we're learning we're looking to do those pieces but also as a personal philosophy because i think that in so many ways beyond our our grasp technology has impacted who we are as as humans and how we interact with each other i would certainly agree with that let's talk a little bit about your life when you were at Turner, and especially in the marketing field, because that sports, security, and so many other industries are so male-dominated. Share with us some of the things that you did within that industry that propelled your career to the next level. So I think that the most interesting takeaway as a female in a, in a male-dominated industry was I, I think that we also do ourselves a disservice, that we don't give ourselves enough credit for whether we deserve a job or a place to be. Yes. And at first, I think that I i was always a sports fan. I went to the University of Michigan, go blue. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, you know, sports were a part of of culture, and they are really an easy point. I, I actually understood when my husband, who's a lawyer, was in law school and was going through and interviewing with people, he could talk about sports, and sports didn't raise, even if you were arch rivals, they didn't raise a visceral, awful reaction. You could talk about it and be neutral. And it was one of few things that people could relate on. And I quickly realized that I would go out and I would speak with all of these men about sports, and the wives would be like, well, you traitor. You just jump ship. (laughs) And I would actually say, no, get into sports, watch it, you know, and now these are the moms of boys, of course, right? right? right. So they are following along. Yes, that's wonderful. (laughs) I love that. Just as with yourself, coming up in the security industry, that was those were some of the things that I had to learn. We were the first stop, everybody who came past the security console wanted to know the scores. So it didn't matter if it was football, basketball, baseball, in Michigan, we were doing uh, soccer, and uh, what is the other one with the wings, the red wings? The hockey. Hockey. Hockey was really big yeah. in, in Michigan. I was drawing a blank there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with all the sports. Like rugby. Yeah. <laughs> so, if, you want, if you want to see truly an amazing sport is to watch, well, the red wings are amazing, but also college hockey. Mm. You've never seen a group of fans the way that college hockey fans. I like are. eating raw meat. Oh, my yeah, gosh. You would, yeah. No, you would think that, but it's just, they're, they're in unison. And there's also something kind of beautiful about that when a whole stadium is cheering and chanting in a way that doesn't exist, even for basketball. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, it's not that popular here getting to be, but it was then. And then something happened. I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, I felt like I was drunk. City lights stay out before. And your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I, I had a feeling I could be someone, be 
You resigned. I did. Because I couldn't have it all. I couldn't figure out, actually, how to be a mom and travel a week a month um, and to balance that life. And what was so fascinating was I didn't go into motherhood thinking that I would step back from a job or a career. I mean, I was the one in college, as a freshman in college, who went to from Michigan to Los Angeles totally on my own to intern not for one entertainment company but two my first summer. Wow. Um, I actually worked for DreamWorks before they had ever released a movie. So I actually had to explain who they were. Oh I had my to God. we called them we called them their full name, DreamWorks SKG. Which was Spiel, Spielberg, Spielberg, Katzenberg, Katzenberg and Geffen. Geffen. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I had to always explain. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, yeah. that's not what you have to do today. No. But I, um, I was really driven. And so for me, it was this, you know, have I lost my drive because I'm taking a step back? And then even making a full pivot because I went and worked for a nonprofit, would I ever be able to re-enter corporate America if I worked for nonprofit America. Right, right. Right. I remember actually calling up the head of talent at Turner, who was a friend of mine. I didn't work in talent. I worked on, on the off-air off side um, and said, am I, you know, is this going to kill me? Is this going to kill me? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't. It's scary. It was really scary. And he didn't necessarily have the right answer. He just said, do what you think is right. But I will also say, I mean, as much as I loved working for Turner, working in big corporate America, I used to say I worked in siloed marketing. I, right. I did one very small piece of marketing. And working for a nonprofit and what I've gone back to say and what I teach others to say is I had to do everything on a much more limited budget, right? It taught me to be a much better marketer. And I say this as I go in and I talk with clients. You may look at my resume and see Turner. And I said, Turner just got me in the door, and Turner was was wonderful. I loved it for my career. I loved the people I met. I loved the culture. It still felt like a startup, even with thousands of employees. Um, But the thing that I tell people to focus on on my resume is not my work at Turner, but rather my work in a nonprofit and all the things I did there. And because in the nonprofit, did you find that your work was more that of an entrepreneur? Yes. You had to be very creative and come up with the strategies, everything. Everything. Like running your own business. So you can really, really talk to that. But I want to ask one more question as it relates to the life balance, work-life balance and parenting. What were some of the most unique things that you learned that you had to do to bring that balance once you re-entered the workforce? So someone once said to me that there won't be equality in the workplace, truly equality in the workplace, until men feel the guilt that women feel when we leave our children. I love that. Right? It's not about pay equity or 
or anything like that. So it's then, if that's at the top of your mind, it's releasing that guilt and realizing that the best thing you can do is show how you balance everything. And my husband is my equal partner. I mean, I think in this day and age, it looks very different than when my dad was a father and when my husband's dad was a father in their house. My husband, thank God he does laundry. Thank God. And change diapers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And gets up in the middle of the night yep. and helps out. And But when he leaves for the day, he doesn't feel the guilt and the strain of how do I make everyone do all of these different things. And again, that goes back to my philosophy as a parent and to, you know, you can't do it with a newborn. You can start to do it with a two-year-old. You know, they actually teach cooking classes in very simple ways to teach children how to do some of these things on their own. That fills me with fear. (laughs) No (laughs) knives. I'm sorry. No knives. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like the, all I can see is the oven, the gas oven. Like, no, <laughs> away. But like, if you think in you know Montessori philosophy, they they hand um, small pitchers with milk to tables, you know, for the t- for the kids to pour themselves. They serve kids family style at preschools, and that's actually teaching them the job of being a contributing member in the household. Right, and. Let's talk a little bit about your mentors. Did you have mentors when you were in corporate? So I had a handful of mentors in corporate, and I I would say in some respects, the women I would have loved to have been my mentors at the time, you know, were also learning and navigating themselves through their jobs. Um, I would say, and, and so that I had, you know, they were mentors in a, in a very active way, but they weren't necessarily talking with me about what I should be doing in my career. Um, When it came to marketing, I really, I feel very fortunate that I was in this world at Federation, um, at the Jewish Federation of Greater Atlanta, where we had volunteer leadership and I work in a capacity where my volunteers were in the marketing world. Right, that if I worked in development, sometimes the development chairs, the people on the fundraising side, don't necessarily have the professional expertise. But my professionals actually had marketing expertise. And so I was really lucky enough that at the time that I was actually heading up the marketing department for this nonprofit, that one of my chairs was the CEO of Spanx. Oh, yeah, you had a great board. <laughs> so <laughs> she was really, I and mean, what she, is her name? Lori Ann Goldman. So she was uh, Sarah Blakely's um, CEO. It wasn't the founder. It was just, it was someone. Her CEO. Mm-hmm, and she had come from the world of, of Coca-Cola and um, just this fascinating and huge mind. And sometimes the ideas stuck and sometimes they didn't. But she always taught me to think big and to be able to be okay with things when ideas didn't stick. You had some pretty amazing volunteers yes. that turned into mentors. That, right. And who, who else? So, And I will say also um, I worked very closely with after she finished her term was a man named Michael Kogan who had started his own marketing agency. And yes, you know, a man, but also like very um, – 
I would say I was really, I was always impressed when I would go into his office because sometimes your volunteers are so busy, you meet them where they are. Right. And um, he had a philosophy of sharing his desk with his executive assistant. She wasn't outside his office. She wasn't even in a different oh, section that's interesting. of his office. But in fact, they shared a desk and okay. sat face to face. And um, really, it to me, taught me that he also valued how people thought. Um, and the nice part was is that from Lori Ann's perspective, it was big picture and strategic thinking. And he really talked about how to actualize some of those strategies and how to do analytics and how to take data and move it into tactics and how to measure and account for what you're doing. And I think the piece of... You know, sometimes you find a mentor where you're at. Sometimes you find a mentor where they're at. But I think you always keep your eyes open to listening to advice. And I think my husband used to say it best, actually, when we first became parents, is he would tell people, he would say, we want to hear all your advice. We're not always going to listen to you, but we actually want to pick and choose what we can can use from a huge slate as opposed to just, you know, not listening to what other people right, had to say. right. You know, and smart. Setting an expectation that we wouldn't always. Oh, yes. Okay, this is all great stuff. And I'm sure our listening audience are learning a lot today. You're giving great tips, uh, Lonnie, and we appreciate that. Now let's switch over and talk a little bit about your work at the Jewish Federation. Federation. Yeah, so I went to work for them when uh, my daughter was, my oldest was a year old. I worked for them full-time um, until actually after I had a set of twins, I even went back to work and um, oh my God, worked for a year. I used to say that I needed That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I needed the human interaction at that point, the adult human the adult. interaction. Yes. yes, the talking people. <laughs> Got it. Um, but it was really just this, this fascinating experience of understanding the community. Um, it, whether you know or not, so Jewish Federation is a is a funder of the Jewish community. It is similar to the United Way for Jewish community specifically. So they come in and they prov- that is their primary goal is to make sure that there is a safety net and that organizations have a way to operate and be funded. What are some of the what are maybe two of the top priorities for the Atlanta Jewish Federation? So their priorities do shift. I mean, I think a lot of it is is community building here in Atlanta, but okay. also building community at, um, outside of Atlanta in Israel. And then they have a partner city in the former Soviet Union. Wow. Um, and then, and just really, um, they have a handful of outcomes of making sure that there's a way to teach identity and carry on traditions and things like that in whatever it means to the individual, right? Not in terms of forcing religion, but rather as like a community and as an underpinning to, right to the got it that is very good and then the entrepreneurial piece and then that oh wow you are you your life is just incredible and your stories is just forever winding and twining itself together to make you who the person you are today so let's talk about Lani as the entrepreneur so I felt like I'd reached the where I could get to for the Jewish Federation. I've actually since taken on projects and worked with them in other capacities, but as the head of the marketing department, I had reached my my piece and it needed to be a new person. But I really, um, so I went out on my own. I, I 
braved it and decided to, you know, I had a knowledge base and I could help other people and contribute out there and started getting into really what I find is my bread and butter, which I really love data and analytics. I really absolutely, uh, I'm a nerd at heart. There you go. <laughs> so, and I, I own it. Um, and so I started doing some of that and worked with data to guide strategy, helped um, a number of CDC departments um, actually have on and off taught classes for their internal university program. Interesting. Um, so it's really, that's been really so empowering cool. to get up and talk to people and talk to health communicators. And then, like I said, I, I stumbled into what I felt was a gap in products in helping children to learn independent skills. And I would have bought something. I would not have started my own company, but I decided that there was a void that I felt like needed to be filled. And I also wanted my children to see, I have three daughters, so talk about girls and empowering girls, um, that it's okay to take a risk and that like, I don't know, this is still, we're still on the risky side of this. I mean, I still do all my marketing consulting to pay the bills of this experiment, um, which I hope takes off and I hope can, you know, put me out of business. And this is great. This is great. <laughs> and you have something here. Audience can't see it, but I want you to just explain to us what what is this document that you have here, this poster? So this is in beta testing at the moment. It is a mobile contract. And we actually say it's not just a contract. It's a full contract package. What you're seeing and what the audience can't see is the poster side. This is something, and we- Listen, we, everybody, go to, the, <laughs> go to the Instagram, go to the Chicken Charge Instagram page, and it will be there. It will be there. Because what we are talking about is really, it, this is not just a mom's issue. This is the issue that has crossed into the dad's issue. They're talking about it at the water cooler. And the question is, how do we teach our children to be responsible device owners? Right. Right. And what the poster piece of this package does is that it really um, is meant to be the aspirational. This is what you hope to achieve. This is the big picture. Um, it's meant to be hung. We actually joke about it, but we want people hanging it in their bathrooms. No, I love it. Because, you, you know, there, as the words reminder. pop out, safety, health, and then etiquette, which took me by surprise. But a lot of kids don't even understand what they're doing, online pictures they're taking, things they're saying, and then they regret it. And how they're even interacting offline with people. Yep. And, and then the supervision. Last piece is supervision yeah. and how the parents play into this. And so the other part to the package is we actually have a, a contract that is a checkbox. It's a, you know, you right, pay, right. it's very simple. Goal oriented. Goal oriented. We actually say only have five things on your contract at gotcha. most, right? Make them simple. Make Achievable. the rules very, right. very simple. Look at it frequently. This doesn't change, but the contract changes and it grows and it evolves. And then the last piece to the package is the conversations starter, which is we are creating a what in the marketing world is called a drip series, but an ongoing campaign, an email campaign to parents, a text campaign to children, and a curriculum for educators as a wraparound for there's a new 
program in school is called Social Emotional Learning, SEL, that's being developed nationwide because they're realizing they're launching academic children who have no common sense. Mm -hmm. Not no, I mean, but that they're missing this piece of interacting. That personal piece. Oh my gosh, Sarah, did you have any other questions? Lana, you have been a terrific guest today and we'll have you back. How can people reach you? So the best way to reach me is my email address is lani, L-A-N-I, at chick you do, and the U is just a U, C-H-I-C-K-U-D-O dot com, or visit my website, which is www.chickyoudo.com. Very good. How ironic. How ironic. <laughs> and in order to accomplish some of these things, I must say you are definitely the chick in charge. And you've shared so many great tips with us today. Thank you so much. We'll be following up with you. And again, Sarah, thank you. My pleasure. And thank you to our listening audience today. We're signing off now. This is Mary Parker, and I am the Chick in Charge. Subscribe to The Chick in Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chick in Charge.